The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even more beautiful message in that song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Praise God for that. I want to invite you to take your Bibles with me, please, this morning, the First Corinthians, please. First Corinthians chapter 2. Here on Sunday mornings, we've been studying over the last several weeks through the book of First Corinthians, and our, our series, as you see on the screen, is entitled Reset. The purpose for that is because as the Apostle Paul is writing this letter of 1 Corinthians to the church there in Corinth, uh, he is writing to a group of people that when their church started, and as these believers came to know Christ as their Savior, they started off well. They started off in a way that uh, they were desiring to do uh, the uh, Lord's work and His will and accomplishing everything He'd have them to accomplish. Unfortunately, over time, their, their focus got off of God and onto themselves. Their focus got off of His ways and onto their own will. And uh, because of that, uh, Paul is writing now, and he's calling them to refocus or reset and uh, to get their eyes back on the Lord, their mind back on the things <clears throat> that he would have them to know and to do as well. And uh, we saw that as we began this series and as we began this study in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, the only way that we can have a true reset as a believer, if it's necessary, is uh, if we first have our eyes focused back on Christ. And the first few verses there of chapter 1, uh, Paul uses the name Jesus over and over and over again, calling again our attention back to Jesus, the one that matters most. Of course, also, we're not going to reset our eyes back on Jesus unless we remember and are grateful for all that He's already done for us. God's been good, my friends, and no matter the state that we're in, no matter what has happened in our life, we can truly say God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And and uh, see, we're not going to remember we're not going to remember the focus of Jesus Christ if we don't have a heart of gratitude. And so Paul. He, of course, gives that prayer of gratitude. Even though the people of Corinth weren't perfect, there was plenty of problems, Paul was still saying, I thank God for what he has done and is doing and continuing to do. But then, of course, after he's given them ways so that they could reset their focus, he starts to explain why they need to reset their focus and the issues that, are, that is actually taking place. In chapter 1 and verse number 11, it says that it's been declared that uh, unto him that some uh, in that church uh, were causing contentions. Contentions, there was division, there was fighting, there was arguing, there was quarreling, if you may. And uh, so the Apostle Paul says, listen, God, Christ isn't divided. And since Christ isn't divided, neither should the church, neither should God, the, the Christ's believers, his children. They shouldn't be divided either. So those quarrelings and those, uh, that contentions that are there shouldn't be so. And he goes on to say, here's some reasons why you are finding contentions. Here's some reasons why there are disputes among you. He said, first off, the reason why you're finding some disputes amongst you, each other is because your focus is on temporal things instead of eternal matters. And we learned that week that eternal matters are always greater. They're always greater than temporal matters because temporal will pass away one day. That car that we have, it's going to rust out. It's going to die. That home is going to get blown over by some strong wind. And, uh, and this one might be knocked down by some hail. I don't know that we had a couple of weeks ago, right? But the things that are just of this world are temporal. They won't last forever, but the things of God are eternal. 
and they will last forever. So eternal always outweighs temporal. He then went on to say that part of the reason why they were disputing and fighting and there was contentions is because they were focusing on man's ability instead of God's. They were focusing on who had preached the gospel to them and who had brought the gospel message to them. Some said, I'm Paul. Some said, I'm of Apollos. Some said, I'm of Peter. And uh, they just were fighting and saying, well, I'm of this group, and so I'm better than you. And he said, no, you know, we're not focusing on people. We're not focusing on individuals. We're not focusing on ourselves because our ability, I mean, it doesn't even come close to God's ability. And so that was cause for contention and cause for some issue as well. Then we focused on the fact that there was some issues because they were focusing instead on their own message, the message of man, instead of God's message. We all know that we have opinions about everything, right? And your opinion and my opinion are probably going to differ on different things. But God's opinion or his message on any matter is absolute. It's the final authority. And so Paul's trying to call their attention again, away from their own opinions and ideas and their message, back to God's. And then as we discussed last week, that God's future for our lives is going to be greater, grander than anything we could ever plan for our, our lives. In fact, before we read our text this morning, I want you to look at chapter 2 and verse number 9 with me. This is where we ended last week. And verse number 9 says this, Uh, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared that love him. And so we find here that his plan and his preparation for our lives is so much greater than anything we could ever try to comprehend on our own. Now this morning, we find the Apostle Paul, he kind of takes a little break, uh, an interlude, if you may, from those things declaring that God's, you fill in the blank, is greater than man's. And he does so to give us some information on how we know that God's ability, message, future, and all that, how we know that his plan is better than man's plan. This little pause, this brief interlude in verses 10 through 13 is what we're going to discuss this morning. And as we read verses 10 through 13, we're going to see how Paul says how we know God's ways how we can know God's ways. And so read with me as I read aloud, you silently in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the world, uh, not in the words, I'm sorry, which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the uh, Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Our Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you for your uh, love, and we thank you for your goodness. And uh, Lord, we just ask now that you'd bless this time together as we study your word. Help us to hear from, you, hear from you, speak through me, and that your spirit might guide us in all that is said and done and accomplished, that we might honor and glorify you through it all. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'm getting a little bit of a ring from my mic up here. I don't know if you can figure out why that is, but it's bouncing somehow, but thank you. Um, but Paul, as we've been studying here through 1 Corinthians already, he's been clear about his presentation of the gospel. 
He's uh, been straightforward with it. He's, uh, he's uh, trying to seek to influence those who uh, might be skeptical. He's trying to reach those who hadn't been receptive yet. But he says, listen, it's not because of who I am that I'm, that I'm going to reach you. It's not because of my wisdom that I'm going to reach you. It's because of the message of God, and it's, 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 the, it's His power that lies behind it. The reason why he was so, uh, so focused on trying to tell others about this message was because Paul himself had already experienced the life-transforming power of the gospel. He'd already experienced how God had saved his life and changed him uh, for all of eternity. And Paul also knew this, that the gospel message was man's only hope. It was man's only hope for forgiveness of sin, man's only hope for reconciliation with God as well. And while I was studying through this passage this week and reading, particularly verses 10 through 13, uh, and uh, reading different uh, commentaries or different uh, preachers about this topic, I came across an individual in his message uh, that in the introduction of his message concerning these verses, he uh, discussed how this portion of Scripture, this passage, uh, deals with two particular questions that we are often asked or we might even ask ourselves concerning the gospel. The first question that he, uh, he posed, the, uh, as I read, was the, the question of, why do some reject the gospel? I mean, we discussed, I mean, Paul even said that man, some, some, some men, some, uh, some humans, they, they look at God's plan and His way and His will, and they, they consider it foolishness in their mind. And therefore, they reject God's message. They reject the gospel message. And uh, anyone who has ever shared the gospel, anyone who has ever discussed your faith with someone else, particularly with someone who is an unbeliever or at the very least a skeptic, uh, has probably experienced the time when as you're sharing that, your faith and as you're telling them about the gospel message, they kind of either not, uh, not, not just rudely laugh at you, sometimes that might happen, but they just kind of push away and say, well, I just don't, I don't accept that, I don't believe it. Why, why would people do that? What causes some to uh, refuse the message? Another question that we, we might struggle with is, if some refuse the message, and, but we have re- received the message, why do we receive the message when others refuse it? Right? What, what, what's different about us? What, what made it click to us? What was it that it said, you know what, I believe that, and that is trustworthy, that is true. What caused us to respond differently? And as I pondered those two questions and considered them this week, and as I read through this portion of Scripture, I realized that the answer to both of those questions actually is found right here in this portion of Scripture. The answer, while it is going to be very simple and straightforward, it's actually also very profound at the same time. Because the difference in those who receive the gospel and those who reject the gospel comes down to the working of the Holy Spirit revealing truth to the individual. And let me say this this morning. Once that truth is revealed, we are responsible to respond to that call. We're responsible to do something with it. So, for instance, you're driving down Mosin Road. Or you're driving down Ramsey Road on the way home after church this morning. And as you're driving just a few miles down the road, you pass this pole, this post that's on the side of the road. And it's, it's dug pretty deep down into the, into the ground. And at the very top, it's got a sign on it. The sign is white, outlined with black. And it's got some black lettering on it. 
And it says speed limit, right? And it says the speed limit's 45 mile an hour. I know you don't, I, I know most of you don't know that. Uh, as I've driven past you uh, and then around you and you fl flying around me on Moston Road. Oh, that was me. I'm sorry. I'm, that was me flying around you. That's right. Uh, but uh, uh, it says speed limit, 45 mile an hour, both down Moston and Ramsey Road on the way home. It's, uh, I mean, it's, that's, that's the speed limit. As you pass that, that sign declares to you or it reveals to you the law. It reveals that the speed limit is 45 mile an hour. But once you know that the speed limit is 45 mile an hour, now, you're responsible for how you respond to that knowledge. You can either go 45 mile an hour, and when that sheriff passes past you, or you see him on the side of the road parked, you drive by with no fear at all. Or you can choose to not respond correctly to that speed limit sign with your pedal to the metal, and going about 65, 70 mile an hour, and when you see that sheriff, all of a sudden your heart stops. And uh, because you know the consequences. See where I'm coming from there? When you know, once it's revealed, you're responsible to do with that information as you, have been, as you would choose to do with that information. The Holy Spirit's work is to reveal the truth of God and who He is and His Word to us. But in the end, we are responsible for whether or not we accept it or we reject it. And I want to examine these truths that Paul discusses here. How we know God's way. It's not that we just came along and we picked up some random writings and said, oh, I think this is a good book that we should follow. No, we believe the Bible is God's holy word. We believe that it's infallible, that it is inerrant, that it is His Word, and that, is, that it's what He has given us, His revelation of Himself to mankind, so that we might be able to live a life that would please Him, and that it would reveal unto us who He is, what He's done for us, and what He would like to do through us as well. That's what the Bible is. So we didn't just find it in a dump heap some, someday and say, this is, uh, I think, what I should follow. No, it's His Word. And because it's his word, it's, it's, it's absolute. And so therefore we follow it. But how do we know that it's absolute? How do we know that God's way is better than man's way? How do we know that eternal matters are greater than temporal matters? How do we know that God's message is better than any of man's messages? How do we know that God's ability is greater than any of man's uh, ability? How do we know these things? Well, I believe Paul gives us some information on how we know that. And I want you to notice with me, as uh, we've read already, as we look again at verses 10 and 11. First, how do we know God's way? We know God's way, number one, because of the revelation of the Spirit. We know God's way because of the revelation of the Spirit. Look at verse number 10 again with me. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of, a, of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Paul speaks of the revelation of God, about a revelation of his wisdom of who he is through the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. And our lives, listen, I understand our lives today are much different than the lives of those believers in, in Corinth back in thousands of years ago. Technological advancements are different. The homes in which we live in are different. The area of the world we live in is obviously different. We understand all of those things. But what is not different thousands of years later what is not different today than it was in that day is how God reveals himself to mankind. 
The, the, the way that we know God's way is the same way that they knew God's way in, that, in those days. is through the revelation of the Spirit. And as the Spirit reveals God's wisdom to us, notice the source of this wisdom in verse number 10. Verse number 10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. Again, it's not something that we've come up with. It's not something that we conjured up on our own. This isn't something that we said, well, this is my idea of truth. Because here's the deal. If we just, if we just live based off of what I think is true, what makes my truth better than your truth? What makes my truth more accurate than your truth? If, if it's all subjective, if it's all dependent on what I think or, or my experiences, what if my experiences are different than yours? And what, what, if the way, what if the way that I think we ought to treat one another, that we ought to treat each other with dignity and respect and care for one another and, and that we all uh, should have equal rights, right? What, what, if, what if that's the way I see the world, but what if you see the world differently? What if you see that it should be lived in a dog-eat-dog type of world? Every man for himself, and as long as you uh, come out on top, then it doesn't matter how you come, came out on top, you're still alive, survival of the fittest, right? What, what, what if that's your uh, mindset, and it's opposite of mindset, my mindset? Well, you say, well, the reason why that I believe that way is because of the way that I was brought up. And maybe you were brought up in a situation or in a home and a, 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 a scenario in which the only way that you could survive is if you did what it took to survive. And I, t- I grew up in a totally different situation. Our experiences are going to change the way we look at the world, right? But when we come to the Word of God and we say that it's absolute, and we say that His wisdom is absolute, that it's our final authority, well, how do we know that this is God's way? How do we know that it's true and it's absolute? Well, we know because God has revealed it to us through His Spirit. The Bible says this, that His Spirit bears witness to what is truth. You ever maybe uh, been reading the Bible, and you come to a portion of Scripture, and you read it, and you say, what did I just read? What, what does that mean? You scratch your head, you go back and read it again. And you're like, I still don't understand this very well. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand, but you're struggling with understanding. Listen, I'm the pastor. I still have times where that happens, right? And read the Bible, and I'm like, okay, I, I want to understand this correctly. But listen, the way we can come to a clear understanding is because the Holy Spirit indwells the believer, and He guides and gives answer, gives, it illuminates what, what is truth. See, if it was just up to us, if we just figured it out on our own, we'd all come to all kinds of crazy different understandings. We'd all have our own opinions. But when we come to God's Word and we find that it is true and it is absolute, we find that we can say that because of its source. Not our, not our experiences, not our reasoning, but by whom it comes from. It has been revealed by God to us through His Spirit. The greatest revelation of his wisdom and knowledge is how we can know for sure that he would be our savior and that heaven could be our home. And you know what the Bible declares about that? It tells us that by good works we're saved so that we can go to heaven, right? That's not what it says. Actually, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us exactly how we can know for sure that heaven's our home. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, for by grace 
are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, if we could come to an eternal salvation on our own merit, then I could say I am better than you. And my ideas are better than yours. And my thoughts are better than your thoughts. But because it's not based off of me, and it's not based off of you, we understand that what, who it's based off of? God, Jesus Christ, that He is the absolute. And therefore, His ways are better than any of our ways. And how do we know God's ways? Because God has revealed Himself to us through His Spirit, through His Word. And notice the scope of this wisdom as well in verse number 10. God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit, it says, searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Hey, listen, my friends, listen. It's not just that God in His Spirit reveals and gives us the information we need to know about how that uh, we can have a home in heaven and that we could uh, live for all of eternity with Him. Now, if that was all that God revealed unto us, that'd be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? I mean, if all the information he gave us, the only thing he revealed to us was how we could have a home in heaven and spend eternity with him, that would be great. But God hasn't just given us that information. He's also given us information in his word and guidance by his spirit on how we can live our life for him each and every day as well. See, he's, he's revealed how we can have eternal life by revealing the source of salvation. And, and, and that's true. But he's also revealed unto us how we can live a life that brings glory to him right here as the Bible discusses our yielding, our yielding to the Holy Spirit and his work of sanctification in our life as well. But he also hasn't stopped there. He's also given us information to know what eternity is going to hold also. And that one day when we take our last breath or he calls us home, we're going to be in his presence, and we know what that's going to be like and the worship that's going to take place at that time as well. The scope of God's wisdom that he's revealed isn't just to one segment of life, but it's, to the, it's everything that we need to know. Notice it says in verse number 10, the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now listen, my friends, we understand this this morning, that our God is an infinite God. And we are finite beings, right? That means God, you know, the omnis, right? Omnipresent. He is uh, omnipotent. He is uh, um, omniscient. Thank you. And uh, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. He knows all. He's all powerful. He's everywhere at the same time. He is perfect, holy God. We're not. So it's impossible for us to fully and 100% understand everything about God. But even with that being said, God has promised that everything we need to know about Him, we can know, and He will reveal it to us through His Word, by His Spirit in our life. Even the deep things of Him. So listen, when we, when we sit and scratch our head and try to wonder, how can we know this or how can we know that? We have the promise that the Spirit will guide us in this truth as well. We, we, how do we know God's way? Well, we know it by the revelation of the Spirit. And as He reveals, we see the source and the scope of His wisdom. But notice the standard of this wisdom as well in verse number 11. Verse number 11 says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Can I just simplify that phrase for us here this morning, the first part of it? He's saying that you and I as human beings, we understand what it means 
to be a human being. You know why? Because we are human beings. The human experience helps us to know what it's like. Listen, I don't know every bit about your life, but I know that uh, since you're here this morning, and if you own a vehicle, that you felt the crunch of gas prices just like everyone else around here. You want to know how I know that? Because I felt it also. It's human experience, right? And if you're here and you're married and you have a, a husband or a wife, I know that you know what it's like to have the, the love for a spouse. Well, you want to know how I know that? Because I've experienced it also. You know what? If you're here this morning, I don't care who you are. I know what you have felt when you felt pain or sorrow. You want to know why I know that? Because I've experienced pain and sorrow myself. And every human being has as well. That's part of life, right? And so what Paul says here in verse number 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Hey, we know the, the, the experience of man because we've experienced it. We're human beings. But go, notice what else he goes on this, he, as he compares this. In verse number 11, Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. So you know who knows God? His Spirit, because He is God. And you, know, you know what human beings know God? The ones who have the Spirit indwelling Him. The one, the one who doesn't have the Spirit won't understand, won't know the things of God, because how can they know God except for they have, know the Spirit of God? And so we find this comparison. We understand the comprehension of that as well because so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. I would have to assume that if you are saved here this morning and if you got saved later on in your life, maybe there was times where you tried to read the Bible or maybe tried to make sense of spiritual matters before you knew Christ and you're like, it just doesn't make sense to me. But after coming to know Christ as your Savior, somehow, some way, it comes a little bit easier for you. You want to know why? Because the Spirit is guiding you and working in your life. And so we see, how do we know the things of God? We know it. We know the things of God because of the revelation of the Spirit. But secondly, this morning, we, how do we know the things of God? We know the things of God because of the reason of the Spirit. Look at verses 12 through 13. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He's discussing now the work of the Spirit in the life of the believer, how it enlightens us to the truth of God. And notice that the reason why we have been given the Spirit of God as a believer is so that we can have a new perspective. Look what it says there in verse number 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Now listen, I was saved when I was six. So literally, I mean, my earliest memories is from the nursery and Sunday school and vacation Bible schools and things like that, right? But maybe you're here this morning and maybe you came to know Christ as your Savior later on in your life maybe into your teen years or even into your adulthood, I would assume, and I would believe that I probably write and say in considering this, that when you came to know Christ later on in your, in your life, before you knew Christ, you probably had a way that you saw the world. You probably had an idea of what mattered most. Oftentimes, it was probably what was best for you and what you could accomplish and what you could gain and such. 
But if it was you and you came to know Christ later on in your life, after you came to know Christ, you'd probably admit, you know what? There was a little bit of a perspective change. I started seeing things a little bit different. I started seeing things through the view of, through the lens of God's word and his way instead of my own personal wants and desires and selfishness. And well, pretty much what we would say is a lot of times we quit being selfish and became more selfless. And uh, some perspective had changed. And the believer enjoys a, a decided advantage over the world at large. And that is we don't just have the experiences of what we've experienced but we also have the Holy Spirit guiding us and giving us a new perspective on what life really is all about. Amen. See, without God, really, what's this life about? Well, it boils down to what I can get while I'm here. And if there is no God when this life is over, well, it doesn't matter what I've done to obtain it because there's going to be no judgment for it anyways. And so no wonder there's a lot of selfishness and a lot of pride in a world without God. When we come to know Christ as our Savior, it changes everything, and it changes our perspective completely. Notice the purpose as well. In, we receive a new purpose in verse number 12. He says, uh, not that, that we've received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. The last part, it says that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God, given to us of God. See, why has He given us His spirit? Why has He given us His wisdom? So that we might know the things that he's given us, and know his ways. Notice the perception as well in verse number 13, the first part, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. See, these reveal, this reveals, I'm sorry, a distinguishable difference in the believer in the world. We don't speak and promote our ideals. We don't, we're not called to speak and promote our own philosophies and our own agendas. Instead, we're, we're called to declare the truths of God, and we're called to declare His ways. And we see, we have a different perception on what matters most when the Holy Spirit guides their life. And lastly, notice number, in verse number 13, the, this proclamation as well, because it says that the comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, the idea of comparing is not just limited to comparing one thing to another, but it has the idea of taking all of the truths that we have learned from Scripture through His Spirit, putting those truths together, and then being able to proclaim them to others. Listen, my friends, we, we call that process around here, and I believe it's a biblical term as well, we call it discipleship. It's where we take what we have learned, and as the Lord works in our life, and the Holy Spirit helps us to grow in the Lord, and, and then coming along someone else who's a little, bit more, uh, a, a little bit more immature in their faith than we are, and helping to be an encouragement to them, helping them to grow, or taking everything that we have learned together and putting it to use for God's glory. Now, it's been said that wisdom or knowledge that, that, that we do nothing with is useless, right? For instance, my kids just started school this past week, and and uh, Carol Ann's in kindergarten. So as she goes to kindergarten, I mean, she knows how to write and those types of things, but she's going to improve on her penmanship. She's going to uh, uh, learn, you know, more addition and things like that as she goes along. She's going to learn how to read as she goes along, right? But what if every day she goes to kindergarten and she starts learning these different things, but then when she comes home and we ask her to put it to use, she refuses to do it. 
She refuses to write. She refuses to, hey, Carol Ann, hey, we need three more, we, th- we need three more uh, forks. We've, we, there's five of us, and we've got two now. So how many do we need? I don't know. Well, count it out. You know, we need three. Uh, she just refuses to put it to, into use. What if we say, hey, Carol Ann, why don't you read that over there? Tell us what that says. I can't read. You, see what I'm, you know what I mean? What if she never puts it to use? It's no good for her. It's, it doesn't help her at all. It does, and, and as she grows older, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. My friends, let me ask you a question. What good does it do you to come to church on Sunday morning and to hear the Word of God preached and to learn knowledge and wisdom of God and then go home and do nothing with it? What, what, what good does it do us? Oh, well, I've learned a lot. For what reason, though? And the Bible says here in verse number 13 that we know, the th- we know God's way. Because as we compare spiritual things with spiritual, and as we combine all that God has taught us and His Holy Spirit has led us in, then we are confident and glad to share it with someone else that needs to know that information as well. My friends, Paul's just taking a brief pause here as he said, hey, you know what? There's been some, con- there's been some conflict in your, amongst you as believers. There's been some quarreling amongst you as, uh, as believers within the church. And the reason for that is because, you know, you've been focusing on eternal matters instead of, uh, I'm sorry, temporal matters instead of eternal matters. You've been focusing on man's ability instead of God's ability. You've been focusing on man's message instead of God's message. You've been focusing on what you could accomplish and what you want for your future instead of focusing on what God has planned for your future. And, it's, and, and because it's all, it's all inward focused, everyone has their own plans and their own agendas and it's just causing fighting and bickering and quarreling and, and, and you're just not getting along like God would want you to. Do, want you to. So reset your focus on the, what God wants instead of what you want and you'll all be in unison together. But he says, you know what, here's how we can know that that's the best way to do it. Because as a believer, the Spirit bears witness in our heart. And it, tell, it reveals to us what is absolutely true and what way is right. See, all this talk about the Holy Spirit and, and guiding us and all of that, sometimes we, get, we are afraid of that term, the Holy Spirit. Because unfortunately, some religious groups have taken it and hijacked it to mean, make it mean something that it never meant. Some people think that if we have the Holy Spirit, that we're going to be able to walk up to, uh, you know, cobras and be able to uh, tame them and, and, and charm them and such. Some people have taken the Holy Spirit and saying, well, we're going to see the Holy Spirit's in us by flopping in the aisle in the middle of church and shaking and convulsing and crazy and all that type of thing. Like they, they've, they've completely taken and hijacked that term and it's caused some of us to be afraid of it. But my friends, the Holy Spirit's real and the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit guiding us, I believe it means things like this, that when we read the Bible, whereas before we struggled and we just couldn't understand and we're like, man, it just doesn't make any sense that because we have yielded to the Spirit, He's guiding us as we read and He brings to us opportunities to understand and to know God's Word in ways that we wouldn't have been able to before. When we have have decisions that we have to make, say, God, would you please help me with this decision? And we've got that peace that just is like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do now. The Holy Spirit's working and guiding in our life. See, when we try to do it in our own way, things are a little cloudy sometimes, right? When we try to live life in our own fashion and, and try to do things our own way, it's like we're wearing a blindfold. 
and we don't know which way to go. And when we, but when we yield to the Spirit, things get a whole lot clearer. And I want to illustrate that for you before we close this morning uh, with a few things here. I'm going to use this glass here in the middle, and this glass is going to represent us as believers. And uh, we just want to live our life for, for the Lord. We want to do His will. We want to accomplish His work and, and, uh, and just know what is right. We want to know what is wrong and what He, does, he, he, does, he would uh, want us to do, what, he'd want us, what He wouldn't want us to do. And, uh, but the problem is, is sometimes we try to accomplish our life in our own way, and we think we know best. And so our life is filled with our own ideas, our own abilities, and uh, our own future plans our own messages and such. And so we fill our life up and we, we want to see clearly. We want to make the right decisions. We want to know what is right. I can't quite see through that though. It's pretty dark. It's pretty murky. See, when we fill our lives with ourselves and try to accomplish anything, it's pretty hard to know which way is right. Pretty hard to know what, what decision to make. But the good thing is, is that when God, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, He gives us a spirit. And when we yield to Him and let His Spirit fill us, my friends, instead of abiding by our own ways and our own wills and our, what we desire to accomplish in our, in our life and what we desire to do uh, in our, ourselves and our own ways, instead of filling our lives with our own plans and our own desires, see, when we fill our lives with His Spirit, it kind of clears things up a whole lot better, doesn't it? It clears things up to where we see clearly and we can accomplish His work and we can accomplish His way. How do we know what His way is? Through His Spirit. His Spirit guides us. His Spirit is what, what, what guides us and fills us, and it is what helps us to understand that His ways are always better. That's, what, that's His plan. That's what He's given for us, and that, what a great gift He's given us in His Holy Spirit. Can I invite you to stand to your feet with me, please, here this morning? And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder how many here would say, Pastor, I know for sure that I'm saved. And I know that heaven is my home. And if I were to die today, I know 100% sure that I'd spend eternity with heaven. I've been born again. Could I rejoice with you? Would you slip your hand up and write back down if that's you this morning? I know that I'm saved. I know that Christ is my Savior. Praise God for that. But I wonder if there would be anyone here who would be honest enough to just say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that heaven is my home. I don't know that I've ever been born again. And Pastor, would you just please pray for me this morning because I don't know that Christ is my personal Savior. Could I just pray for you this morning? Would you slip your hand up and write back down if that's you? Then one last question. Who here would say, Pastor, I do know for sure I'm saved. All that's settled. But as we've been studying through this portion of Scripture here this, this morning and over the last several weeks, discussing how God's ways are always better. His future is better than our, our plans for our future. His ability is better than our ability. His message better than our message. His, uh, the things of eternity of Him are better than anything we could accomplish temporally here. And uh, as we've seen that it's his spirit that, that identifies that in our life, that it bears witness to that truth. Pastor, help me, or pr pray with me, I should say rather, that the Lord would help me to yield to him daily. And then moment by moment that I would yield to him so that I would choose his ability over mine, that I would choose his message over anything I could conjure up, that I would choose 
his future over what I want and what I desire. That I would focus on things that are eternal instead of things that are temporal. And if that's your heart here this morning, would you slip your hand up and right back down so I could pray for you as well? Hands all across the auditorium. I'm going to pray, and then the piano is going to begin to play. If the Lord has spoken to your heart, I want to invite you to come here to the front and kneel if you're able, or right there in your seat, that you just lift up your heart unto the Lord as he's spoken to you today. Our Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for your love and your goodness. And Lord, would you just please have your will and your way in this invitation that you might accomplish your work and your will like only you can. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays this morning, if the Lord has spoken to your heart here today, I want to encourage you to come, if you're able, or right there in your seat, that you just uh, lift up your heart unto Him, that you would respond to Him as He has uh, used His Word to declare His truth unto you. His Spirit has revealed that to you through, through the message here this morning. And uh, let's just respond as the Lord has spoken to us here today.